are in a series titled Freedom Series. Everybody say freedom. freedom. You can do better than that. Say freedom. freedom. Yeah, so this morning we gave you a little bit of uh, freedom aerobics during worship. It was funny to watch some of you like, ah, this, ah, not used to this much dancing. Uh, but we really have been fasting and praying that we as a congregation, that we as a spiritual family would have such freedom during this month of July that we would break off. And we've been praying and believing and teaching on strongholds and, and curses. We're going to get into curses today. And we've been teaching you guys, if you missed the first um, part of the series, we taught about lies and how the enemy literally will bring lies into our understanding. You believe things that have never come into check and they have to come into check with the, what the word of God says because when the enemy gets you to believe a lie, it then takes you down a pathway of bondage whether you realize it or not. And then last week we looked into how um, we can be bound and need freedom from fleshly appetites. We all have a flesh, everybody say amen. We all have a sin nature, everybody say amen. And so what we have to learn to do is get free from these appetites, these fleshly appetites and so we talked through that a little bit and showed you what the Word of God says. And even the Apostle Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am, the thing I don't want to do, I do. And he goes on to say, who will deliver me from this flesh man or this sin nature? But praise be to God who delivers us from it all. Are you with me? Say yes. And so our key scripture for the whole series is, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, if you don't catch that, I'm going to keep saying it every week till you get it. Jesus didn't just die on a cross so we could go to heaven. He died on a cross, not just so we can go to heaven, but also for freedom that he brought us freedom so we could be free. So there's no reason for you to continue in your life of, uh, with a thing of poverty on you. He didn't want you to be impoverished. It's not, it's not God's plan for you that you would have all these anxieties and these worries. This, he came to bring you freedom from a spirit of fear and brokenness. Are you with me? Say yes. And so today as we jump in, we got to move a little quick, so take notes fast. We're going to be looking at curses today and finding freedom from curses will engage with both generational curses and just kind of general curses over your life and so they'll kind of work one in the same and I'm not talking about I'm talking about curses I'm not talking about what you did on the drive over when the guy cut you off today I'm not talking about that in Jesus name all right that being said we'll leave it alone Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 we're going to start here this is kind of the key scripture for today's teaching Galatians 3 and 13 Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. What did he do? He became a curse for what? Us. Having become a curse for us, in parentheses, uh, because it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. If you're a Gentile, say me. Okay, if you're not Jewish, then you should be saying me right now. Let's try it again. If you're a Gentile, say me. Like, man, I ain't, I ain't claiming nothing. I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. I don't know, like, what? Like, I'm not identifying. What is that? No, all right. So if you're not a Jew, then you're a Gentile. So uh, every, excuse me, might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. It was God's plan from the very beginning to set us free from the curses, the curses of this old wicked world, the curses of our sinful nature and our actions in those sins, and, the, and our forefathers and our parents and our grandparents to set us free from that. Jesus took on the curse so that we could be free from the curse. That's what this passage is saying. And so he became the curse so that we, as this passage said, could walk in the blessing. Now, I know, and I say this all the time, that a lot of the televangelists love to use the blessing. Then you're going to be blessed. You're going to be, I, my favorite thing is to drive through, you know, Cedar Hill or downtown Dallas and see all these Mercedes with the word blessed on their license plate or some kind of sticker or something like I'm blessed and highly favored, and, which is interesting to me because we never say I'm cursed and I'm under the, the spirit of wickedness. But, but we call forth blessings because what we're really talking about is God's favor. God's favor. I need you to understand this. There's not a person in this room that wants their children to be cursed. Not one of you would say, I really hope you're sick the rest of your life. You want your kids favored. You favor your children. And so I know that it's been misappropriated a little bit, especially, you know, with your televangelists and things like that. They're blessed, 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 blessed. But at the end of the day, the God who gave life to humanity, the God who bought humanity back through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. 
that God wants his sons and daughters favored just like you want your sons and daughters favored. Are you with me? Say yes. And so as we dive into this understanding about blessings and cursings, I need you to understand it may not be something that you've been taught a lot about, but in Scripture, blessings are mentioned almost 600 times. Curses are mentioned almost 300 times. So we're talking about a pretty standardized point of of ideology throughout Scripture about blessings and cursings. And so what I love is um, Dr. Tony Evans actually identifies being under a curse or a curse as this, the misery and emptiness of not fulfilling your divine purpose. God has something for you, but something is in the way. Uh, Something keeps you from being who God wanted you to be, made you to be. Almost like a dark cloud. It's like you take four steps forward and three steps backwards. And then you take three steps forward and six steps backwards. And you're constantly not getting ahead. You're constantly, and you're looking at these other people, man, they are favored. And they don't seem to struggle with what I struggle. What's going on? We could be looking at a curse over your life. He also mentions, Dr. Tony Evans, that blessing then is the enjoyment and full participation in the will of God for your life. Are you with me today? Say yes. My family, um, I, we, I didn't come from a Christian family. And when we became Christians, um, it was this radical change for us. And I've mentioned this to you before, but just talking about curses, especially generational curses, um, I had a real issue as a young man. I could not be faithful to a relationship. And as we became more full of the Spirit of the Lord and more engaged in His Holy Scriptures, we began to find out about these curses that could be on a life or on a family or even on a group of people. And as we began to do our research, it became very clear to me that not only did my natural father, he was not faithful to a relationship. My grandfather could not be faithful to my grandmother. All of my uncles were adulterers. Are you tracking with me? And so as a young junior high boy, I had four or five girlfriends going at a time. Even though I'd become a Christian and even gotten baptized in the Holy Spirit, I did not have the ability. It was as though I was constantly lured away, not even in my, own, in my own thinking, if you will. I was under a generational curse. When we came to the understanding of that, my little mama got me out of bed every morning before school, and she laid hands on me, and she said, I break the generational curse of adultery. You will be faithful to the woman of your dreams. God, will- he had a purpose for me. To be your pastor, how can I be your pastor if this curse keeps me chasing skirts? Are you with me? Say yes. And so we broke that in my young teenage years. And friend, I can tell you now, after 29 years of marriage, I've been faithful. She's been faithful to me. Not because we're so amazing, because we broke the curse. And some of you are living under curses of poverty. Some of you are living under curses of sickness and disease. And so today's teaching is so critical for you. And I'm believing, and we've been praying and fasting, that you would have these aha moments like, whoa, that's what I'm dealing with. I love God, I do my best, but I'm constantly under this cloud of brokenness. It could be a curse. Now, in the scriptures, we find one of the key places that blessings and curses are talked about is in the book of Deuteronomy, chapters 27 and chapter 28. It's a great place to study. It's where this place where God's people are really coming into their promised land and God is dealing with them on setting up and kind of breaking the the spirit of Egypt off of them where they had been slaves and slave mentalities and, and, and not knowing how to work with their God. And so he literally lays out for them, if you obey me, I will favor you. But if you don't obey me, you're putting yourself under a curse, a brokenness of rebellion. And he actually kind of goes through in chapter 28, and he kind of lays out, and there's a bunch there, but I think we can kind of pull out seven clear blessings and seven clear curses. So when you're walking in obedience, you're favored. When you're walking in disobedience, you put yourself under these curses. And let's kind of look at those for just a second. We see seven blessings. The first one that we see in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28 is that you'll be lifted up. Come on, somebody, be lifted up. You won't, be, you won't be downtrodden. You will be, if you obey me, uh, you will be lifted up. The second one is, is you'll be fruitful. You, and you got to understand, in Jewish culture, they actually consider children a blessing from the Lord. 
They actually see it. I know in our culture, we, uh, we seem to be so selfish and so self-focused that we don't think that children are a blessing from the Lord because we become so narcissistic that it's about my life and about what my little joys are. But at the end of the day, when you're dead and gone, the only proof that you have ever been on this planet is your children. That's the only real, I, think about all the buildings you pass by, by, you know, Mary, Mary Joe so-and-so. You don't know who that woman is, don't care. But if you meet her granddaughter and she affects your life, then that woman had effect on the earth. Are you with me? Say yes. And so they saw having children and the inability to have not have children, um, they saw that not as a blessing but as a curse. Continuing on, number three is that you'll be healthy. Somebody say healthy. That's a blessing from the Lord. Come on, somebody. If you've ever dealt with sickness, you talk about healthy is a blessing. The older I get, I say, oh, thank you, I'm blessed. I'm blessed with health in Jesus' name. Number four, he goes all through that you will be blessed with prosperity and success. Prosperity and success. Now, we define success, it seems like in the Western world, is we got more money than everybody else. And that's not true success. I'll tell you right now, you can have all the money in the world and your kids hate you, and that ain't very successful. You can have, listen, you can have all the jobs that your little business can handle and still everybody be cursing you because you can't get it done. Friend, at the end of the day, he wants you to be prosperous and successful. Here's the next one, that you would be victorious. I don't know about you, but I fight battles all day. All day long, I fight demonic battles, and I fight battles in this old wicked world, and I don't want to lose every time. Are you with me? Say yes. I'd much rather have a winning season. Are you with me? And he says you will be victorious. In other words, your enemies will not take you down. If you walk in obedience to me, I will bless you. I will favor you, and you will be, be victorious. When everybody else can't seem to make a sale, you're making sales. When everybody else seems to be losing their houses, you're somehow, your mortgage is safe and secure, and because God's got you because you're favored. Are you, are you still with me? Say yes. Then he goes on and says, and you'll be the head. Now, what's he talking about? You'll be the head. Well, the head is the one making the decisions. And I pray over you as our congregation that you would be the leaders everywhere you go. And every room you walk into that you would lead. So I'm just a quiet person. Lead quiet person. Some of the greatest leaders in the world can't hold a conversation publicly, but they are leaders, man. I'm telling you, they, they know, they know when, what is right and what is wrong, and they can move people in the right direction. And by saying that you're the head, you realize you're the part at the front. The tail's the piece dragging at the back all on the ground. Are you with me? Yeah, there you go. And then the next one, the seventh thing that he says we'll be blessed in, he says, and you will be above. You will be above. You will be above the storms. Come on. You will have peace. When your daughter's gotten hit by a car and she's died and, you, and you're in such difficulty and such tragedy, you will be above the old suicidal thoughts. Come on, somebody. You'll be above the old brokenness and the wickedness of this world. And you can say, Lord, I know it's painful and I know I can't hardly stand on my own. But, Lord, I thank you. You'll bring me above all of this. You'll lift me up on wings as eagles and I'll soar above every storm and every difficulty. On the other hand... He lays out seven curses in this Deuteronomy 28. And the first curse is that you'll be humiliated. I don't want to live in humiliation. I don't want to be embarrassed. I think about some of these, these folks that have made it all over the internet and it's gone viral. Mm -hmm. Because they disobeyed the Lord and they were in positions of leadership and they got found out. Humiliated. And, now, and they can't even get a job now. Nobody, Everybody knows them all over the world for their humiliation of what the, the things that they've done. He said, you'll be humiliated. If you disobey me, he says, then you'll be barren, unable to have kids. He leaves another, another curse. He says, you'll be sick all the time because you get out from under my favor and the old wicked world and the old demonic forces. They can't have anything more better to do to you than make you so sick to where you'll curse God and go on with death. And then the fourth thing he says that you'll be cursed with, he says, you'll be impoverished and a failure. You'll be impoverished and a failure. I have friends that have lived in poverty, didn't make any sense, had good jobs, loved God, but they were under a curse from things that had transpired in the past that have never been broken. And they lived impoverished and, 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 and failure. They make, they make these great decisions and it would just fall apart on them. He continues on and he says, you'll be defeated. Number six, he says, you'll be the tail. Not the head, but you'll be the tail. You'll be what's dragging from behind. You'll always be behind. If you ever is like, man, we're always behind on our bills, always behind. We never can see that you could be dealing with a curse. And we want to break that. We want freedom for you today. And then number seven, it says, and you will be beneath. That was the seventh. You'll always be beneath the circumstances. They'll always get, have you ever had a conversation with somebody, especially at church, and you say, how, they, how you doing? Well, considering the circumstances, why are you under the circumstances? Get up above them circumstances. You're up under them. 
Well, can say, you know, it's just so hard, you know, Pastor. Oh, it's hard. Ooh, every week, it's hard. It's another hard thing after another hard thing. I, 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 I'm telling you, I've helped many people break those curses. Why? Because he became a curse so that we could be favored by God. He took on all of that up on that cross so that you and I don't have to live up under sickness and disease and failure and, 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 and poverty and all these pieces. I'm telling you, you and I many times don't realize we've been under a curse. You've come into the church, you love God, you're doing your best, but it's just like a grind. And again, you're taking four steps forward and three steps back and then four steps forward and six steps back. And you just constantly feel like you're losing. Friend, let's break some curses today. Are you with me? Say yes. And so here's some things over the years that we've learned. You can write them, jot them down. They won't be on the screen. It's just some signs that maybe you're under curse just from, from a pastor who's been in ministry for many, many years. One of the signs that we found many times that someone could potentially be under curse is they're having mental or emotional breakdown. That's not how God made you. That's not the favor of God. Mental and emotional breakdown. We know that there can be some biological things, but many times when we administer to people, we found, wait a minute, you're under some type of curse. What's transpired? Oh, wait, your mama had a mental breakdown. Wait, 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 your grandmother had a mental breakdown when she turned 50 or when she hit this or when she had her second child. Wow, that's a curse. We need to break that. Here's some other signs that you may be fighting with a generational curse or have a curse on your life, and that is chronic illness. Chronic illness. All the time, I pray with ladies whose mama had breast cancer, whose grandmother had breast cancer. It's this chronic thing that's kind of been passed down through the generations. And I'm constantly, Jamie and I are constantly working with them. No, no, we break that. You're not going to have to have, uh, you're not going to have to go through that surgery. You're not going to have to have those removed. You're going to be just fine. Jesus is going to break this off of you, and you're going to live in the favor of God. Are you with me? Say yes. How about this other one, reproductive issues? So Jamie and I, we started losing our babies after our first child. We couldn't get pregnant. God did a miracle, and he healed us at a, at a, at a, at a revival service. We were just sitting in the balcony. God healed us supernaturally. Cohen was, was conceived and born. And then after that, we started losing every one of our babies after that in the second trimester. And so we're not talking about, you know, uh, we're talking about miscarriages that were in the second trimester. So these babies were a good bit bigger and a little bit further along in their formation and and it was real tragic for us, real horrible for us. Uh, they, would, they wanted to run tests on their little bodies. And so I'd have to take um, what, what was there and, and bring it up to the hospital. And it was just a real tragic moment. And we began to say, you know what, wait a minute. I don't know what this is, but we break the curse off of our lives. As we began to break this curse of miscarriages, something shifted. We began to pray into it. We began to repent of anything maybe created that, any kind of peace that maybe has been attached to our family line or anything like that, any type attached to any kind of abortion or anything like that. We broke from that and said, Lord, innocence, will we repent? Uh, we're new in Christ Jesus. The old man's passed away. Everything's become new. And friend, can I tell you something? God healed us. Mariah is on the planet because of that thing broken and not to mention we then began to pray for people who were having miscarriages or, or could not get pregnant and as we begin to pray for people we begin to speak the blessing of God and breaking and walking them through is there any reason why you're not able to have children is there any reason maybe that things that have transpired have been connected to your family and as we were helping them identify some curses we would break those they would repent right there we would pray for them and can I just tell you there are multiple Mariah's and Cohen's around the nation because once those people got healed they would name their children after our children Adeline and the, the such why because they were so free to be free from a curse uh, it's, it's the most amazing experience to go wait a minute well this is what this thing has been my god lord why didn't i learn this earlier and to see that free the other thing that we found is marriage breakdown marriage breakdowns many times that can be a, a curse it's like you just can't get a marriage to work and there's sometimes there's curses attached to that generational curses a constant financial insufficiency uh, accident prone i had a friend every time he ran into everything Slammed his, his finger in the, every door, tripped over the one thing that none of us had tripped over, ran his head in it, bro, crashed every car. Are you with me? That dude was accident prone. We recognized it was cursed. We can pray over that and broke that thing. And that guy's like, I had no idea that I was dealing with a curse this whole time. I'm 30-something years old and finally got free from being accident prone. Can you imagine the insurance on that guy? Anyway, moving on. Uh, frequent suicide or unnatural death in the family. Those can be curses. And uh, it even passed down. Proverbs 26.2 says it like this. Like a fluttering bird or like a flying swallow. So a curse without cause does not come to rest. 
So what you can take from that is that curses, excuse me, where there is a curse, there is always a cause. Where there's a curse, there's always a cause. It can't land on you if there's not a cause, is what Proverbs is saying. So what it's actually using, you know, um, um, descriptive language to kind of flip it. And what it's trying to say to you is, if you're under a curse, there's a cause. And we need to track down the cause. Are you with me today? Say yes. So I'm going to give you a couple of biblical, I'm calling them biblical curse causes, if you will. Biblical curse causes to just help you be able to track things. And maybe that's what been, we've been dealing with as a family. Maybe that's what I've been dealing with. Maybe, man, because I want you free. Because who the sun sets free is free indeed. And it was for freedom that Christ set you free. He came to this earth so that you would not live under curses, that you would not live under brokenness. And so we got to find some freedom today. Are you there? Say yes. So here's the first biblical curse that we can kind of, and, and there's plenty more. This is not going to be an exhaustive list. I'm just going to kind of pull some out that I saw in scripture that are pretty critical. The first one is a cause that maybe you're on a biblical curse, as already mentioned, is disobeying the Lord. Disobeying the Lord. Again, back to Deuteronomy chapter 28 and 15. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Now listen, we're under a new covenant relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and we understand that we are, the, uh, we are new in Christ and old has passed away. But Frank, can I tell you, when you and I live in disobedience, uh, as a disobedient child, we open ourselves up to curses. And just because, I'm telling you, just because you became a Christian, just because you're full of the Holy Spirit, doesn't mean that you went back through and nullified some of these generational curses over your life. So that's what we got to do, okay? So it goes back. Maybe your great-grandmother started disobeying the Lord. Maybe your grandfather or whatever, and it just kind of came down through. Or maybe you did as a teenager who went to church and knew God as a young person. You were like, up yours, I'm going to go do my own thing. And you may have brought on yourself these type of curses. We want to break them and keep moving. Here's the second thing, and that is worshiping other gods. Now, the next few, I'm going to take an extract for Deuteronomy chapter 27. Now, let me tell you what Deuteronomy chapter 27 has to say and this piece that I'm about to give you. It goes into Deuteronomy chapter 27, and, and God says, listen, here's what I want you to do. As you come into the children of Israel, my people, as you come into your promised land, I want the Levites to call out all of these curses that will come upon you if you disobey me. And then I want the entire congregation to shout, we agree. Now, can you imagine that? So they're all coming in, and he says, if you sleep with another man's wife, you will be a curse. And the whole congregation is supposed to shout. So you got a couple million people yelling, we agree. The picture of this is pretty significant. And so I, I get it that we're not Israel. We have been grafted in as God's people. Are you with me? Say yes. And so we can find truth in the Old Testament even though we're under a new covenant and we're breaking off these old curses that may have lingered and come through our family line. So here's the, so the second one is uh, worshiping other gods. Uh, we've had some folks in the church that uh, kind of back in the day their family was involved in this kind of um, I think I tried to get somebody to help me, like this Santa Maria type thing where, you know, you've got these different ones that will pray uh, blessings over people and curses. You've got, it really is witchcraft, right? These pieces, and I may not have gotten the name right, so forgive me, but this stuff out of Mexico. And so we had a number of people in our church over the years that they suffered with chronic sickness and things like that. And as we traced it back with them, we found out that when they were younger, their mom uh, had a beef with someone down the road and sent them over to the, to the little lady who does prayers of curses and blessings. How do you say it? How did you tell me to say it? Gurundelas? Guladetas. Yeah, that, sorry. Gringo. And so, but these ones that we've dealt with in our own congregation. And so what happened was when they were young, they were kind of, they were sent to the Gurunderas. And uh, yeah, and, uh, and participated in literally cursing someone at school who had done them wrong, didn't realizing, not realizing that they were, being, they were under witchcraft. And so then became a Christian, served God, but some of this junk from being a part of that and participating in, if you will, having other gods, which is really witchcraft, right, all of a sudden is affecting them and their children from something that they participated in when they were 12, 13 years old. And we went back and we broke that, and as we broke that, freedom came. It's unbelievable to even testify about. So moving straight forward, i got to keep this moving, uh, disobeying parents. Deuteronomy 27 says, literally, if you disobey your parents, you will, you will be under curse. This is not talking about adults having disagreements with their parents and say, I don't want to do it that way. It's talking about as young people having this dishonor for our parents and saying, you know, up yours, I'm not going to do that. It literally, the scripture says, will put you under a curse. 
and literally will cause some broken relationships. And so you start finding these cycles because, you know, you had such a horrible disrespect for your dad, even though what, whatever he did, right or wrong, and now you find that going on in your children, and that thing's just going to keep passing on unless we break it. Here's the next one we find in Deuteronomy 27, and that is injustice to the weak and the helpless. This is why the United States is in such trouble. Because not, not just the babies, the innocent weak in the womb, but what we've done with those who can't defend themselves and how we've allowed them to be misappropriated and how we didn't stand up for them. And so that injustice, and that's why you saw over the last three years people crying out for justice is in right. And the Bible says that when the wicked lead, right, injustice flourish and the people cry out. But when the righteous get in leadership, the people rejoice. The problem is not overhauling the system. The problem is we got the wrong people leading. We need to get some righteous folks in there. That's why I challenge you, go serve in your city. Go get involved in things that you can help make differences. Why? Because you'll be standing there going, no, that's not right. I'm sorry. Y'all may all think that's right, but that's not right. That's not what the Bible says. I'm sorry. Well, I don't care. I got the position, so oh well. This is how I'm going to lead. I'm going to lead it this way because this is the right way. I don't care what popular culture says. This is the right way. And so when you don't have that, what you see is injustice to the weak and the helpless bring curses. And that's why we've had the struggle that we've had. All right, moving right along. The next one we see in Deuteronomy 27 is sexually deviant behavior. And Deuteronomy 27 gets into all kinds of craziness. You know, sleeping with animals, messing with, messing with your sister's brother's cousin. I mean, it just gets into all kinds of... But really, deviant sexual behavior will put a curse on you. It literally will. And, and we dealt with that a lot in counseling because, because they were so addicted to porn or so involved in some things prior to Christ and now in the, in the safety of a, of a beautiful marriage and the sexual rim of, their, of this relationship between a husband and wife has these difficulties. Why? Because of some curses from back in the day and the stuff they participated in. Friend, I would highly teach you break that. Break from that. I would teach you get rid of any of those old letters. Get rid of any of them old hoochie shorts that you have down in the, down in the bottom of the drawer from back in the day when you was doing your thing. I, I would get rid of those wine bottles that you have on that thing that was the moment that you got loaded and drunk and out of your mind and had your party in Vegas and what stays in what happens in Vegas. I would tell you break from that. Get out from under that. If not, watch what happens with your children. And your children, we got to break those. Are you there? Say yes. You still love me? Good, I love you so much. I'm trying to help us. All right. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 5 is an interesting one. We come under a curse when we start trusting man more than we trust God. That's an interesting piece. It's, it's actually, it says, in fact, it says, cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on the flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Curse is the man who puts his trust in humanity. Listen, I love and I pray for all the leaders in the United States, but at the end of the day, my trust is in the Lord. I don't trust them to get me into my, into my promised land or into the place that God has for me, and you and I don't trust. Listen, sweet love, you got to love that husband. you gotta, you got to submit to him as unto the Lord, but at the end of the day, God is our provider. Are you with me? I trust in him and him alone. And, uh, and so... And, and so that brings me to the next one. I'm going to keep us moving. And that is, you come under curse. Malachi 3 talks about when we're stingy with giving to God. He's dealing with his people about not tithing. And he says, you did not tithe to me. You held back your tithe. And as a result, you're under a curse. I love you, but you're under a curse. Now, we understand that we're in a new covenant relationship. But here's the deal. If he expected his people Israel to give 10%, then what did he expect? What is expected of his New Testament believers, his new covenant believers? And so we always teach here, start with 10%. Just start with the pastor, I can't. And, and God has grace and mercy. And he does. But friend, we've got to break that cycle. And part of that is tied to us being stingy towards God and saying, it's my money and I want it now. No, it's his money. I've taught you this. He gave you the ability to bring in wealth. And friend, when you and I get free from that, we just become liberal givers. Lord, I'll give my tithe. I'll help people in trouble. What happens is he goes, I can trust you with more. And he just starts bringing so much through your hands because he knows you'll pass it on and he knows that you'll keep it moving. Are you still there? Say yes. I know it's not popular, but it's the Bible. All right. And the last one, that we'll look at is Galatians 1.9, and that is you're un, you, you can get under a curse whenever you begin to c declare false doctrine. And you see some of that, right? And it may, it may build you a big congregation at first, but at the end of the day, the curse literally will destroy you. And I love what Galatians 1.9 says, and he says, I've said it before, so I say it again. Anyone who preaches any other gospel to you other than the one you've received, let him be accursed. 
And so you've seen all of this crazy doctrine coming out and people misappropriating Jesus and saying that they belong to the Lord and they're representing the Lord and they're not representing Jesus. And listen, you can see them. You can see them in them hotel. They got their cameras set up in that hotel, you know, conference meeting where they're fake healing everyone and getting money from all these poor folks who just want to get out of chronic sickness and disease. You see all this messiness of people saying, oh, God's okay with our sexual inappropriate behavior. No, he's not. That's a false teaching. Teaching. That's a false teaching. You're gonna get yourself. You're gonna get yourself up under that curse, and that's why they can't find the favor of God. Because why? Because they're teaching what is not accurate according to the Word of God, a false doctrine, if you will. So you still with me? Say yes. So let me give you a couple of thoughts on how to break a curse. Write these down. Write these down. Now, as you prepare to write these down, I do want to tell our congregation that on August 5th, that's a Friday night here coming up, we actually do our encounter where we lay hands on you and we, our pastors and leaders lay hands on you, break curses, receive the power of the Holy Spirit, repent of sins so that we can be free and go on. So we're gonna close out this series with our encounter on Friday. You can go to our website and register for it. That's a shameless plug, but I want you free, so I don't care. Number one, how to break a curse. Number one, repent. Repent. Repentance is beautiful. Repent, turn from it, acknowledge it, repent. And so um, even repent of generational curses. There are entire societies that need to repent for what their forefathers did to other societies. I participated in that. I repented for what white folks did to black folks, what white folks did to Indians or Native Americans. I participated in repenting of what the forefathers Well, that wasn't my exact family, but it was my people group. My people group. I've repented of that. Why? Because I don't want to live under a curse. I want to live under the favor of God. Why? Because he's a God of generations. Don't you understand that? He's a, he doesn't look at you just as an individual. He looks at you as a family line. He doesn't look at you just as a cool, you know, African-American man. He looks at you as a cool African-American man who came from this African-American man and woman, who came from this African-American man, who came from this, who came from this, and all the people therein. He looks at us not just as individuals, but he also sees us as generations. Because that's what he says. He says, I'll bless you from generation to generation. That's how he sees us as his people. And you got to understand that. And so I would teach you to repent. Repent for what grandma did. We had a, he had a gentleman, and, and he didn't mind. He shared this at our men's meeting, so I'll just give you a little bit. But he, he was struggling with a particularly, very much struggling, put his marriage in jeopardy. And he couldn't figure out, why am I constantly dealing with this? He'd been to different ministries, did through, through the whole deliverance and freedom thing. And so he said the Lord spoke to him to go on a journey and go find out where this thing came on because it's now, it's a curse and he recognized it. So he did a journey back from where he's from. Got booked airplane tickets, got to where he needed to go and he sat down with different family members and while he was on this spiritual discovery journey, he recognized that when he was a young person that he believed a lie and by believing that lie, he began to act out in disobedience to the Lord, which brought a curse on him. And now it was going to be, it was going to be passed down to his family. And it was in that moment he recognized the lie. He repented of it. Are you with me? Say yes. He repented to the person he believed the, the lie about. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. And he broke that whole string. That whole string of darkness broke in that moment. He came home. He said, PA, I am free. For who the sun sets free is free indeed. And it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So first thing, repent. The, the greatest thing you'd ever do is say, I break from that. Lord, I repent. I repent for what my grandfather did. Lord, I repent for what my daddy was a part of. Lord, I repent for my rebellion towards you and that time and that season of my life. I repent. I want it off of me. I want it broken from me. And he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Are you still there? Number two, how to break a curse, and that is reverse the curse by speaking life. This is what we try to do for you every Sunday. I have these little precious couples stand up there. Sometimes they're nervous as all get out. And they may not always be authoritative when they do it. They probably don't even represent, you know, the, the leader, me as the lead pastor as well. But they stand up here and they break those curses off you by speaking life. Because life and death is in the power of the... We hold to that. We hold to that. Because you know why? Because some of you are so insecure because of things spoken over you. Those have become curses over you. 
So you reverse those curses by speaking life. The Bible says that David put himself in a tent and he encouraged himself in the Lord. But they had stolen all his people and all his men wanted to kill him. He got in the tent and he just began encouraging himself in the Lord. He said, Lord, I thank you that I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. I thank you, Lord God, that in my mother's womb, Lord God, you picked me and you chose me. Lord, I haven't always done right, but I've repented of my sins and you call me a son. And so, Lord, I just thank you that I'm a son of the most high God and I declare every plan of the enemy to hurt me and destroy my family is broken lord i repent of any sin that's put me in a position and i speak life instead of death some of you are so busy speaking death that you can't even get past all the the, the death that you've spoken it surrounds you it permeates your mind permeates those around you people don't want to be around you because you're always speaking death speak life Reverse these curses by speaking life. I am not tied to that. I will not be impoverished in Jesus' name. I am not, I am not, I am the head and not the tail. I'm not under a curse anymore. I've repented of all the family sins. I've repented of my own sin. I've turned from it. I'm not living in it. Yes, I was wild and crazy as a young person. Yes, as a young adult, I went out and did this and did that and did all the drugs and that kind of, but that's not me anymore. I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Everything's become new. I am not under the curse, but I'm under the favor of the living God. And you speak life and reverse those things. Are you still with me? Say yes. And the last and final thing I would teach you to do is to respond to the Holy Spirit's leading. He'll, he'll nudge you like he did that brother. Get on that airplane. Go find this thing out. He'll nudge you about something. Respond. Don't hold back and go, I don't know if that's the Lord. I don't know if I should go tell my grandmother that I'm sorry because of such and such. Uh, no. The devil wouldn't tell you to do that. The Spirit of the Lord will nudge you. Years ago, when I first became a, a pastor, young, 19 years old, and uh, we had these gals in our ministry, in our youth ministry, that were all, you know, 18, 19, 20, and they were in Bible school and finished up. They were all living in, um, in a, they kind of got a condo together. It was like a three-bedroom condo, a little, you know, one-story condo. And uh, the moment they all moved in, godly girls, you know, ladies uh, in Bible school, they all started having these terrible nightmares and dreams. They, they, they would wake up in cold sweats. They had these, these death dreams. Someone's breaking in, going to kill them all. And stuff. They, they, they had these imageries of being murdered. And all three of them in different bedrooms. And so they came to the leadership of the youth ministry. And I was, you know, the assistant youth pastor. And me and the pastor, uh, youth pastor, we met with them. And, and they said, listen, we need help. We don't know what this is. And not to be all weird and spiritual and stuff, but I've never had dreams like this. I don't know what this is. Would you come over to our apartment and just pray over it? And so we said, sure. So, you know, we never really did that. I don't really know if there's, you know, I mean, we see precedents in the scriptures, but, you know, like, okay. So we came over and they wanted us to anoint it with oil. So we got out the, you know, the, you know, the, the grease oil and uh, mama cooking oil, you know, and, uh, you're right. and we started just putting, you know, fingerprints all over your wall by the time we finished, you know, the oil fingerprints. And uh, we just prayed over the house and that was awesome, and, and they were thankful, and, and a week later, they came back. It didn't work. Whatever y'all did didn't work. We were like, well, we're not like Santa Maria or something. I mean, I don't know what you're thinking this is all about. Is there a problem or something here? And so we came back in, and we just started praying. And in the middle of prayer, I'll never forget this, I had this unction from the Holy Spirit. Check their little attic. Again, they had only lived there for a few months. You know, people, it was, it was a rentable place, so um, I'm sure multiple people over the years had rented it. And, uh, and so just had this sense, checked out. Didn't even know they had an attic in a little condo, apartment complex looking thing like that. So we found a little open space, a little crawl space, picked it up, and there was no fold-out ladder because it wasn't much. And we got on a chair, did a flashlight, and as soon as I flat, uh, flashed into that little attic space, there were, these, there were these paintings that some individual had been painting, had painted. And we pulled them down. And when I tell you we pulled them down, every one of these paintings were gore paintings. There was, not, there was death and destruction, murderous paintings. All the, all the colors were red and black and dark and this evil. I mean, you, have you ever looked at a painting? Ooh, that's evil. That's just evil. The evil coming off of this, this person who painted it, obviously were either channeling demons, full of demons, or something. And man, we pulled that out, and they're like, that's it, that's it, pastor. And we're like, okay, well, we break the power in Jesus' name. They're like, uh-uh, go set it on fire outside. <laughs> so, so we set it on fire and you know and they're like oh here comes the fire department like hey well, we had a little demon break is all we're doing right now it's just gonna be led by the spirit of the lord you know and so can i tell you what never again did they have any dreams like that there was something tied 
There was a curse tied to that thing from that person who put that there and whatever they were going through. There was a time. I'm, I'm always cautious of people. Now, you, know, you don't have to get weird and go, you know, trade in your truck because, you know, one day you curse somebody out while driving your truck. Don't be weird. But at the end of the day, there can be ties to things like that, and we want to break them. The biggest piece for me, though, too, in this teaching is that you and I understand that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And in our times of frustration, we can literally create curses for our family if we're not cautious and wise and careful. And so we actually planned out this series, this Freedom Series, with one of our sister churches, Revived Church, Pastor Stephen Kilgore, um, which we've had minister here before. We're going to have a minister here again in the future. And Stephen pastors a multiracial church like us. And, um, and he had a scenario um, that I thought, I, Stephen, can you come share that? And he's like, oh, I can't really come. i got to preach my service. So can we video you just testifying? So for the next 11 minutes, I want you to hear what Stephen Kilgore, Pastor Stephen, has gone through here in the last few months in the miracle that God gave him as he began to understand about curses. So guys, go ahead and play that for, for our family. Hey, Hill City. Pastor Stephen here. Uh, Pastor Adam asked me to share this story with you. It's a story that I shared with my church when we did our freedom series this past June. And we talked about freedom from witchcraft and demonic oppression and breaking curses in family lines. Um, I wanna share with you a story about how I put a curse on my family. I know what you're thinking, there's no way Stephen, not you. Uh, But it's true, I did. Um, April 1st, 2020 my daughter, Emma Lily Kilgore, was born. And that was a day that will live on in infamy for us because that was the beginning of what would soon to be the pandemic. We didn't know it. Uh, On top of that, it would also soon be a time of racial injustice, social unrest, political division, and uh, add to that, that while my wife is taking care of a newborn, our daycare shut down which meant that our three-year-old was at home. And so I had to work from home to try to take care of a three-year-old and help with a newborn. Add to that, I'm trying to be a pastor, which in 2020 was almost impossible. Add to that, that um, I ended up losing friends that year. I had people who lied about me. I had people who tried to stick me in a corner of their political ideologies and factions and I refused to submit to those things. I just wanted to talk about the kingdom of God. And I thought I was doing good. Um, But my biggest struggle that year and in the year to come was not the pandemic. It was actually my daughter, Emma. You see, from the beginning, Emma did not really appreciate me as I feel like she should have. Now, in the first six months of a baby's life, a dad is not needed, to be honest. Mom is a walking, talking golden corral. Dad, dad on the other hand, is just the weirdo who shows up to change diaper, occasionally do some feeding, and then do like, I love you so much. Like that's really all I was good for for the first six months. But after my daughter got a little older, we started to see some signs that she really did not like me that much. That's the only way I know how to put it. When I walked into the room, she'd leave. Uh, If I tried to pick her up, she'd scream, she'd cry. She'd run to my wife. Um, I'd try to play games with her. I'd try to read to her. I'd try to hold her. And the older she got, the more she pushed me away. It was uh, disheartening, to say the least, as a father. As guys, we try to act like we don't have any emotions or anything. But when you're living in a season where it feels like everyone around you that you've poured into has started to reject you, then you come to your safe place of home and your children reject you, uh, it's a very dark place to go. Now I want you to understand again, 2020 was wild. 2021 was wild. And I tell you that because I want you to show me a little bit of grace before I share with you what I'm about to share with you. Like I said, Emma didn't like me. And uh, there were days that I would come home and I remember I'd walk through the door and she would immediately be screaming. And I didn't know if it was because I had come home, I didn't know if she'd already been screaming. There were times where I'd I'd pick her up and try to console her and she would fight me. There were times where I'd tell her I love her and she'd run away. And I remember many times, I wish I could say it was only once or twice, but several times, 
I would say to my wife, why did we even have a second child? I wish she had never been born. It went further though. I would tell my wife, I don't think she's ever gonna like me. I don't think she's ever gonna love me. But it went further. The times where I'd pick her up and she'd kick off of me, I'd put her back down and I'd go, fine, I don't like you either. I didn't want you anyways. And I know, I know, I know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because I was living in a season of pressure and unrest and exhaustion, these words of anger manifested. This went on for about two years, not an exaggeration. For two years, Emma really did not like me. I mean, not, not like me. My wife has agreed with me on this. She did not like me. And uh, <clears throat> she turned two years old, April 1st, 2022, this year. I was at the gym on a Saturday morning and I was listening to some messages around this idea of freedom and deliverance. And I was listening specifically to a message about breaking curses and how Jesus became the curse so that we didn't have to be cursed anymore. And this guy was sharing about how years ago, it was an old message, he was at a church and he was sharing his heart and his teaching about curses and how to break them. And he said there was a young lady on the front row and after the message, he began to pray for people to break curses and she comes up for prayer and God gave him a very direct word of knowledge. He said, when you were young, your father spoke over you. He said, he never wanted you. He said, no one will ever want you. He said, he wished he'd never had you. And that's why you have run from man to man, sexual encounter to sexual encounter, just trying, hoping that someone would accept you and love you, but it never sticks. And I came to tell you today that Jesus is here and he is ready and willing to set you free from the curse that was spoken over you. At that moment, I realized that sweat is not the only thing dripping off of me. Now it's these sobs of tears. I jumped off the Stairmaster, got in my car, drove home, walked through the door, ran to the back room, didn't even tell my wife what I was doing. I, I called for Emma and she waddles around the corner. And I, the first thing I notice is she's got the scowl on her face. She's just very, apparently I had interrupted the importance of her two-year-old life to ask her to come to my room with me. And uh, she walked through the doorway and I, I picked her up immediately. And with tears in my eyes, I said, Emma, I'm about to tell you something. And I know, I know that you won't understand this right now, but I need to tell you, I am so sorry because I spoke words over you that were wrong. I told you I didn't want you I told you I didn't like you. I told, I, I told your mom that I wish we had never had you. And those are lies. I, I was speaking from a place of anger and I am sorry. I looked her in the face and I said, I repent, daddy repents. And she just kind of looked at me. The next thing I did was I put my hand on her head and I began to bless her. I said, Emma, the Lord, bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord will lift up his countenance upon you and grant you grace and peace all the days of your life in Jesus' name. She just looked at me with that scowl, wiggled out of my arms and ran off. What happened in the next 24 hours is something I cannot pinpoint how it would have happened naturally. But my child became a totally different person. In the next 24 hours, the same little girl who when I walked into a room would scour in tears because daddy had come home, was now running from room to room to find daddy, to get a hug and a kiss. The same little girl who if I tried to hug her would punch me and kick and get out of my, my grasp is the same little girl who would wait for me to walk into the room and stand in front of me 
and put her, her head out so I would bend down and give her a kiss and a hug. In 24 hours, the same little girl, one of the most impactful moments for me as a father to know that something had changed. Since my older daughter, Isabella, since she had been born, my older daughter and I had this time called snuggle time. At the end of the day, while my wife was getting ready for bed or while she's putting Emma to bed, Isabella and I would get in bed together in our bed and, and we'd watch her favorite shows, Blippi, Paw Patrol, Blaze and the Monster Machines. Yeah, I'm a connoisseur of all the kids' shows, it's great. And uh, that night though, Emma walks into the bedroom and she points to the bed and she goes, no boo, no boo. She wanted to snuggle. So we put her on the bed and the first thing she did, she snuggled up right next to me. She motioned, she grabbed my arm to put my arm around her. Then she reached over to my other hand. She pulled it over to hers and she slipped her hand underneath so I would hold her hand. What I didn't realize for those two years is that out of a place of anger and bitterness, I was speaking things over my daughter that she did not deserve. I was speaking things out of a place of rejection from other people. And I was cursing her. I was causing a curse of division between me and my daughter that God never intended, would have never intended to be there. But with one act of repentance and one word of blessing, Jesus broke that curse. And our family has never been the same. So I wanna encourage two groups of people. If you're me and you've spoken curses over people, go to that person, repent and bless them. But if you're like Emma, someone in authority spoke curses over you that you've been living with, I wanna give you the same admonition that that man said he gave that young lady in that church service. Jesus is here and he is ready and he is willing to break that curse. Come on, stand with me all across the room if you stand. Hey, thank you for joining us online here at Hill City. We're so honored that you would take the time to join us remotely and to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. I hope that word spoke to you. I hope that you were blessed today and I hope that you are encouraged to go forth in the confidence of Jesus this week, wherever you are. If you made a decision today uh, to serve Jesus for the first time, we wanna celebrate with you. Would you text DECIDED to 469-606-2684? And uh, we wanna respond and again, just connect with you and celebrate the beginning of an amazing discipleship journey with Jesus. Don't forget, next week we are here again, same place, same time, 9 o'clock and 11. And until then, we hope you have an amazing week.